welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It's Blockbuster Week in the NFL. We've got some incredibly stinky matchups that uh, we'll touch on a little bit later. But uh, I'm your host, Nick Splitter, once again, joined by Ryan Lepore. Mate, we're in the midst of a massive COVID outbreak in the NFL. There's over 75 players having tested positive in the last week or so and coaches. This could make things pretty tricky this week from a betting and fantasy perspective. What do you reckon? Uh Oh, absolutely, mate. If it wasn't hard enough already with this being thrown into disarray with the, the COVID outbreaks in North America, and obviously we've seen it affect the NBA as well. And um, so far it hasn't affected too well. We saw it today, sorry, in fact, that, you know, the, the the man, the Australian captain of the cricket team has obviously been ruled out um, of the test match here in Australia because of it being a close contact. So um, it's the way of the world, unfortunately, and, and something we're going to see a lot more of um, in the coming, I suppose, 12 months. Uh, with COVID still being a, a force, I suppose, in terms of um, uh, around the world. So, look, it's it's disappointing the fact we're going to be missing so many star players this week, you know, and there's some big names missing um, that you mentioned. So, yeah, look, it's a huge week, though. Uh, obviously, the run home really starts now with the buys all finished and four games to go for everyone. There's a lot of teams still jostling for playoff spots and, um, you know, first round buys and all the seating. So yeah, huge, hugely important week, but uh, it, it's going to be an exciting one as well with some couple of games on, on, on Saturday, uh, Sunday, our time, I suppose, for anyone listening in, in Oz. So a couple more games to watch, which is, which is great news, I suppose, for, from the fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess before we get stuck into week 15, if you do like the show, please give us a rating and a review on Facebook and or on iTunes or wherever you listen where you can. Uh, tweet us, comment on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. Um, get us. We, we love to chat football. So um, let's get stuck in. We've got a question from Dane Roy. Old mate Dane, uh, former Ray Guy Award nominee in college football from the University of Houston, has tweeted in and asked if the Wanker of the Year Award goes to Urban Meyer. And that is, of course, the big news of the last I guess, 12 hours, 24 hours for those listening in the States uh, in the morning uh, or in their evening, I guess, um, when, when you listen to this. But Urban Meyer in Jacksonville was doomed to fail from the beginning, I feel. What, what are your thoughts on on Urban in, in Jacksonville? Oh, look, it, as I was saying off the, off the top off air, it, it, it's just been an absolute flop in a half, hasn't he? And, and uh, an unprecedented shit show, which um, Dan Hans has tweeted, uh, very eloquently <laughs> put, and I couldn't. Yeah, oh, there's no other way, no other words for it, is it? And it's just been an absolute um, roller coaster ride for the Jags. Um, I know you'll you'll touch on some of his finer moments, I suppose, um, later in the in the show. But look, it's it's just good riddance now, and Jacksonville have to move on pretty quickly. And, and obviously, timing couldn't be better. I think with a very winnable game this week, I think they wanted to kind of get that momentum rolling uh, into next year. Um, with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, um, you know, being the franchise quarterback and, and the number one pick, he obviously hasn't lived up to expectations, but he's had a pretty deplorable team and and, and obviously head coach to play under. So, look, he hasn't club, covered himself in glory at all, Urban Meyer. And like you said, it was probably doomed from the get-go. It didn't really make sense, that fit um, in Jacksonville. And, look, uh, they needed someone that was going to be there for the long haul and, and rebuild that club, and he probably wasn't that man for the job, really, in hindsight, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it, it's certainly tarnished his legacy, uh, like we said as well. He'd probably go back and sell off to the sunset, win another um, 
bowl game somewhere in college. Um, I don't know if he'll ever get to the lofty heights uh, as he was in Ohio State. I don't think any of those top um, Div 1 teams would ever touch him potentially no. after after the mess this year. But, look, he might just be happy to ride off into the sunset now. But, yeah, he certainly tarnished uh, any legacy that he did have probably from, from the college game. Yeah, spot on. Look, I think that he does. I think he does go back to college. I, I'm not sure that he'll want to. I mean, this is a man with a huge ego. I'm not sure that he'll want to end mm. his career uh, yeah, this like way. This, yeah. I, I think he'll he'll get an, he'll get another gig. He'll get another job in in college football. Like you, like you said, I, I don't think it'll be at one of those you know elite D1 schools uh, that are competing for championships year in year out. But you know, I, I can certainly imagine him at at another Div One school. Um, yeah. And you know, like you said. Bowl games, you know, big games, etc. Um, to to try and win back a bit of that respect that I think he's lost this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a strange choice at the beginning. I think you even said in in our season preview that that you thought that Urban would get fired at some point this year. I'm not sure if you said that he was your your favourite to get fired first, but um, I think you you said that he was certainly one of your did. Favorites. Yeah, certainly did in the preseason show. That's for sure. Uh, preseason in the uh, half season review, I should mm. say. But yeah, we 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 did touch on that. And and look, he's he's the first one to bite the dust. I'm sure he won't probably be the last this season, um, as we touched on at length a couple of weeks ago. But look, yeah, like like we said, um, both agreed on that. It wasn't a great fit from the the get go. But hopefully, the Jags now who've who've struggled for so long, other than that one, obviously outlier year a couple of years ago where they. Almost went to a Super Bowl. Um, they they've had a really wretched time of it, um, Jacksonville fans. So look, hopefully they that franchise um, can get back on track and and be a force with um, with you know obviously a superstar quarterback potentially. So look, it, it's going to be a watch this space, but I think I think they can um, they can bounce back and and you know uh, pretty quickly this week. I'm pretty bullish on them this week actually, just for the fact that they've there'll be so much you know, weight off their shoulders of, you know, all the lingering kind of questions about his future, et cetera. And, and obviously the, the, the relationship he's, he's had over this year with, with his players, you know, there's been some interesting rumors flying around. So look, um, yeah, I I think they can, yeah, it's all upside now, hopefully for the Jags, they've hit rock bottom and, and the other way is up now, I suppose. Yeah. I I feel like the Jags need someone need, need one of those young, fresh, coaches coming out of college or, or a, you know, an offensive coordinator that's been rising up the ranks over the last few years to, to really bring some enthusiasm into that, into that franchise. I think that even after, you know, they got the number one pick um, even after they brought in a, a couple of players on the defensive end and, and got players back from injury, even after they signed urban Meyer, there was still this, just this feeling of doom and gloom around Jacksonville. And maybe that was different in Florida, but I, I certainly felt around the league that, yeah, a lot of people felt like that was a real weird choice for head coach uh, at, at the Jags, and um, you know, you look at look at some of the the young coaches coming through, and um, not all of them work out. Obviously, it, you know, it's certainly not a not a slam dunk strategy, but you feel like that they, they don't really have a whole lot to lose at this stage. They, they've kind of got to rebuild, and you know, they, they've got the bones of of the the making of a, a really solid franchise from a, a personnel perspective. Um, if they can get a, a few more, you know. A, a, a bit more talent through the door and and some more um, concrete strategy from the front office. I feel like they can they can you know, start to rise up the up the table um, as soon as next season potentially. But yeah, they've got to get this they've got to get this next hire right um, as head coach. And we will touch on on Jacksonville uh, a bit more and, and Urban Meyer a bit more later on in the show. But uh, I think we can probably agree that Wanker of the Year 
does go to Urban <laughs> Meyer. I mean, it's probably between him and the only one, the only other one that I could think of would probably be Dan Snyder. Um, yeah, he's still making silly comments. Uh, uh, he's just <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I mean he's a wanker. So it's yeah, probably between those two. But, yeah, um, yeah that, that's right. He's been a wanker for a long time, and he's probably won a few of those awards. So maybe <laughs> maybe we give it to Urban just uh, by default this uh, this year. But uh, good question from you, D Roy. Uh, appreciate it. Um, but we'll we'll get stuck into week fifteen, and uh, obviously as always, we'll touch on a, a couple of our best bets, um, a couple of long shots at the end of the show, and uh, and that sort of thing. We had a, had a decent week last week. I went two and one with a player prop. Mate, you went one and two, but you did take the head-to-head in that matchup on Monday. <laughs> I would have head-to-head. On Thursday night football, I should say. Um, and you were you were pretty happy about that, as if, of course if I was. Especially at halftime, I was I was <laughs> I was laughing all the way, and then um, it got very. I didn't. I ended up didn't see the end of that match, and I couldn't believe when you were tweeting me saying how close it was to, um, <laughs> to you were pulling off the win. So and look, they probably they probably should have covered in the end. Really, Pittsburgh. Uh, and forced overtime. But, yeah, incredible, incredible match, that one. But, look, yeah, one or two for me, unfortunately. A couple of um, late plays in my games cost me, obviously. Uh, the Bengals game went to overtime after that that stunning comeback. They probably didn't deserve to, to force overtime, really. The Bengals, they were out, outmatched all game. And then, yeah, late Tyler Huntley, ridiculous throw and catch from Bateman on the fourth down that helped uh, get the overs um, that was for an Baltimore amazing and it catch. helped you as well because obviously Baltimore yeah. covered, which was um, a nice result for you, mate. But um, like you said, more importantly, we did get the lockup of the week, which was um, the Cowboys who almost blew that for us. Jeez, that was a oh, worrying last couple of minutes. It was, but we needed it badly, didn't we? Place. Oh, ridiculous. And yeah, we got back to six and eight. So we're still a chance to... Um, to finish the season um, above 500, um, obviously with that extra game this week, uh, this year. So let's let's hope, mate, that we can um, that we can do that and um, and salute um, this week as well. Continue the momentum. We'll need to uh, to choose wisely. As uh, yeah, there's the, a few the Indiana, interesting ones, Indiana but... Jones and the Holy Grail, or whatever <laughs> it was called, the the last crusade. Indiana Jones and the last crusade. The yeah. uh, the knight at the end of the in the in the cave says, "You have chosen." Poorly, um, <laughs> I think we need to choose wisely this week. We do. We've got to. We agree on pretty much. To be honest, mate, uh, the majority of the game. So we have it. We have a plethora to choose from. It's just about choosing that right one, I suppose. Now um, that's it. But yeah, it's it gets gets underway with a huge matchup, mate, and probably definitely billing for game of the week. Uh, I think it is, and and yeah, you're right. Let's get stuck into week 15. There are no buys this week, so we've got the uh, the first full slate in in quite a while this week. Um, so we'll try and run through these a little bit quicker than uh, than we normally do. But you're right, Thursday night football is probably game of the week. Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers plus three. The total is fifty two and a half. And yeah, I mean this is a great way to start off the the week. I reckon the Chiefs are back. Uh, we, we've been worried about the Chiefs for a long time, and and even though they'd won a couple of games, they weren't playing good football. Uh, but they're they're on a seven game winning streak at the moment. Um, on the back of their defense. Um, and at the same time, it's kind of swings and roundabouts from the Chargers as well. They were five and three earlier in the year, looking really, really solid offensively, and then went on to lose three in a row. Uh, they've bounced back to, to to beat the Bengals and the Giants uh, in the last couple of weeks, which is a good sign. I'm not sure that they're, they're fully back, but, um, you know, eight or 10 weeks ago, you'd been looking at, at this this matchup and thinking 52 and a half is probably a bit low for these two offenses. Um, and that there's we're probably on for, for some big points here, but 
like I, like I said earlier, the, the Chiefs' defense has been supercharged in the second half of, of this season so far. Um, just quietly, they're ranked seventh in DVOA defense, uh, weighted to more recent performances. And that's that's astonishing when you think of where that uh, where that defense has come from and, and how that franchise has been built around the offense over the last couple of years. To think that they'd be a top 10 defensive team is quite amazing, um, especially when, when you think that yeah, Patrick Mahomes has thrown two touchdowns in the last three weeks, and both of them came last week. Um, so this this is a very different Chiefs franchise to what we were expecting coming into this this season. It's a very different Kansas City Chiefs franchise to what we saw in the first six or eight weeks of the season. Um, and the way that they've turned this around has been off, off the back of that defense, as, as I mentioned. I don't normally take Chiefs minus lines, but I'm going to do it this week. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I feel like I kind of have to this week. And, and I might have a little double on the double with the unders as well, given the Chiefs. I don't think they've conceded under 14 for about six weeks or seven weeks or something like that. So under 52 and a half is, is a bet for me. The Chiefs at minus three is a bet for me. Um, and I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire as well, rushing yards prop. Um, like I said, Mahomes has only thrown that, those two touchdowns in three weeks. Um, they've been leaning on their defense. They've been you know, leaning on the running game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire's rush yard prop is at 57 and a half. Uh, I think that he goes over this week against the worst run defense in the competition and the Chiefs continue their winning ways. How about you, mate? Yeah, hard to argue with you, mate. And and it's obviously that that defense has been incredible um, as we spoke of. They've won, uh, obviously, their last six games with no more than 17 points being scored against them in those games. Three, uh, four of the last five all been under dub, uh, single figures, uh, sorry, under double figures for single figures. So, that, that, that defense just has turned things around incredibly. And after we, you know, we, we're imploring, imploring them to, I don't know what we were imploring to do, to do something different because that mm. defense was getting absolutely shredded in that first, you know, five, six weeks of the season. It was, it was embarrassing almost for, for Kansas City, who were still performing offensively, then it's completely flipped. And as you said, it was a Patrick Mahomes throwing his first um, touchdown pass in three weeks last week uh, in that win or that route against the Raiders. They didn't even show up after then after they just stood there on their on the Kansas City logo and they got absolutely embarrassed. It was the largest margin of defeat ever in in you know in in that um matchup between those two story uh, franchises who have played 126 times. So it was it was an embarrassing day for the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs just kept rolling and I don't see why that wouldn't continue this week against a really up and down Chargers team. Obviously they they won back to back games now for the first time since week three and four. So it's been a up and down season for the Chargers. They they finally showed it a bit. They only did beat the Giants so last week. Um, they were obviously impressive the week before against the Bengals, but it's going to be an unbelievable matchup again. Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. We've seen Justin Herbert take um, the win the last two times these quarterbacks have met, um, and Patrick Mahomes. You know he'll be gunning for for Justin this week to um, to get revenge on that that earlier game in the season where it was an absolute. Um, you know, must it was an awesome game. Uh, went down right to the wire, and I, I assume it's probably going to be a, a similar story in terms of a close game. But I, I can't not take the the Chiefs here at minus three either. I know they're on the road, but we know the struggles the Chargers have had uh, at home this season. So look, I'm happy to take the char- uh, the Chiefs. I should say keep keep rolling with that defense, and uh, yeah, happy to take minus three. Patrick Mahomes, I feel like is going to obviously play a strong game, but. 
you know, he hasn't, he actually only passed over 280 yards, which is his line this week once in his last seven games. So I'm thinking he's going to go under again. And, and I've got a little bit of a same game multi as my, my long shot this week. And uh, I, I can't see Travis Kelsey having three bad games in a row. And I know Patty's going to look to target him a lot this, in this one. And, I think that 65 and a half yards is quite low for for a man of his talent. He, he's only had 27 receiving yards in both his last two games, but there's no way um, they'll stop him for th- a third straight week. So I, I like him to be overs, and that's my player prop this week as well. So, yeah, we're both heavily invested in tomorrow's uh, Thursday night football game. Yeah, well, maybe maybe at the end of the show we'll see if we can if we can put together a combined same game multi uh, for Thursday night football. But I mean, quick one and. and we haven't spoken about this, so you know, kind of putting you on the spot here. But how how much have you seen the the Chiefs' defense over the last six to seven weeks? I mean, honestly, I haven't watched most of the the Chiefs' full games. I've seen highlights and you know clips and, and that sort of stuff. But have you have you watched much of the Chiefs on on defense? No, not like you said. Probably not. I sat there and watched the full game. They've they haven't been in prime time the last few weeks, so. It's, it, they've been in that red zone kind of time slot. So I haven't actually seen, um, sat down and watched the full game of the Chiefs either. Uh, I know they did play on actually against the Broncos in prime time, but it, I missed that game. But look, there's obviously been a, a huge shift. I can't tell you exactly what's happened. Um, obviously, they well, did get um, Ingram at the deadline, but he hasn't been that much of a difference, surely, to, to have turned it, you know, probably a, a almost last ranked defense. I think it was even potentially 32nd to the top defense in the league over the last five, six weeks. And and that was that's what I was going to ask because we you know, like you said, we we implored the Chiefs to do something to change mm-hmm. it up. And and you know we talked about if if they could improve their defense and the offense could be league average, then they'd be a pretty good team. They'd be hard to beat. Um and you know I think pretty much that the offense has been around league average. And Even potentially below, yeah. Potentially, but but that defense has been amazing. And really the only difference mm. that I can see, I guess, more on paper than anything else, is that addition of Melvin Ingram at, at the deadline. Um and and you know, looking at some of his numbers, that the stats aren't off the off the charts, they don't jump off the page. But I wonder how much that veteran leadership and experience from playing in some really strong defenses and you know, what what has that brought to the the Chiefs defensive unit? Um you know, over the last two months because, I mean, something has changed and I'm trying to put my finger on it, but uh, I, I'm not quite sure what, what that difference is, but it feels like ever since, you know, Ingram was was added to that um, defensive unit, that it's, it's like a, a switch has been flicked. Yeah, definitely. Uh, look, it's going to be an interesting one this week without um, their leader, essentially, one of their leaders on defense in Chris Jones. He's one of the many players in the NFL this week to uh, put on the COVID list. So he he won't play um, tomorrow night, I don't think. I think he's effectively been ruled out unless he returns that second um, negative test. Um, they need to obviously be over 24 hours apart as well. So uh, still maybe a little bit to play out over the next 12 hours or so or, you know, before kickoff. Um, cornerback, though, Jadarius Need will return after missing last week, um, last week's game. So, look... Yeah, the personnel it hasn't changed, obviously, other than what you said in terms of Melvin Ingram being added to the to that roster. But yeah, it, it's just they've turned things around. Um, so look, I, I can't put my finger on either because I, yeah, I don't think both either of us have seen enough enough Kansas City football in its entirety to to make judgment. But yeah, look, it's obviously working whatever they're doing, and 
I think they keep it rolling, like as I said, against the, the up and down charges. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, pretty astonishing difference that uh, that we've seen in the Chiefs. And, and yeah, I agree. I think that they keep that rolling as well. Uh, Saturday games this week, Saturday, 8.30am on the East Coast of Australia. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders at Cleveland. The Browns plus one and a half. The total is 39 and a half. Have you got anything in this one? Oh, it, it's a gross game for the for the um, because of all of the COVID protocols, of course. But uh, look, um, we just touched on off air how many how many Browns players are missing. Obviously, they're missing their coach, they're missing their quarterback, they're missing their best wide receiver, they're missing their two tight ends, they're missing offensive linemen everywhere, they're missing Kareem Hunt. It's it's a depleted Browns offense. They still have their key pieces on defense um, playing in this one, and that's probably why I think they'll probably do enough to get it done against the Raiders, but. The way they've capitulated the last few weeks, there's no way you could you could back um, the Raiders uh, with any confidence despite those outs for the Browns. Um, they saved their season last week. The Browns and the Raiders have have one more shot to save theirs essentially this week. Um, but yeah, no way a game I could bet in, and um, I won't be having a play at this one. But yeah, expect the Browns to continue and, and potentially end the Raiders' season after again. Same as yeah. the last two or three seasons has happened. They started off <laughs> yeah. hot and then just falling in a hole. So there's obviously been an interesting season in, in Las Vegas for, for a number of reasons, um, but their, their, their performance on field, I suppose, is, hasn't changed at all. So, yeah, I, not no way. It's a, it's a pretty gross game, as I know you you think it's, it's pretty yeah, disgusting. I mean, I mean if, if you think of the, the, the term consistently inconsistent, you think of the Las Vegas Raiders and you think of the Cleveland Browns. And, and normally you, you talk about teams imploding. You think about the, the Falcons in the Super Bowl. You think of the Browns every year. And you think of the Raiders every year. And so you couldn't possibly play this game. Because like with knowing everything you know about the, the history of the franchises, how they, like you said, how they finish seasons, um, where they've come from, where they're trying to get to, the ins and outs, the players that are missing this week, you just couldn't. Surely, any any smart punter could not have a play in this game. I just like it's just gross. Um, so we'll move on pretty quick. Enough uh, said, yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, enough said. Um, Saturday midday, New England at Indianapolis. The Colts minus two and a half. The total is forty five and a half. And I think in all my years of watching NFL football of NFL analysis of betting on the NFL. I think this is the first time that I can remember having a matchup between two top 10 DVOA teams in all three facets of the game. Every year, there's normally one team and, you know, we've seen the saints kind of every year be that, that one team that's uh, a top five or a top 10 franchise in, in all three facets of the game being offense, defense, and special teams. It's pretty rare that, that we get two teams being top 10 in all three facets of the game. And it's, it's pretty rare that we get two teams facing each other being top 10 in all three facets of the game. Uh, but this week we've got the Patriots on offense, ranked number 10 on defense, ranked number two on special teams, ranked number four against the Colts on offense, ranked number seven on defense, number nine and special teams, number nine. I think this is going to be a cracking game. I'm not sure it's going to be that entertaining from an offensive offensive perspective, but I think it's going to be close all game. And because of that, I think I have to take the underdog, uh, the Pats at plus two and a half. And if this gets out to a flat three or even more, 
then that's a huge play on the Pats at plus three, but even at two and a half, I think it's a little play for me. And, and I like uh, Hunter Henry as well in this game. The Colts are ranked 25th in DVOA defense against tight end position and 27th in red zone DVOA defense. So the stars are aligning for Hunter Henry to score a touchdown after a couple of quiet weeks. He had two, mm. uh, two in the game a couple of, uh, three weeks ago, uh, but pretty uh, h- hardly seen in the last two games. Yeah. So Hunter Henry, anytime touchdown at $3.50, I think is a little bit of a, a long shot play. Um, have you got anything in this one? Yeah, game script didn't really go to hit plan last last time out for the Patriots receiving core. Did it three passes it did from Matt Jones? <laughs> but look, it, it is yeah, this is the other game, isn't it? That that really buys for that game of the week status. And to be honest, when I when I heard about this matchup or knew this matchup was on the slate, I was thinking, yeah, great, I'm happy to take Indy here as a as the underdog. I reckon Indy can can pull off an upset. I was so surprised to see that um, the books have actually opened with the Colts as favourites and. There's no way I could take Indy in this game as a favourite. And I, if I had to have a play on this, I would be inclined to take the points of the Pats as well. But I just feel like there there has to be a letdown for that Patriots team. I know they're, they're well built and, and how well they're going, but they're surely they're exceeding expectations and, and the talent level in that team. So I feel like the Indy Colts were, you know, a pretty well built team. And as you said, um, DVOA top, top 10 in all three facets are the team to do that. Um, they, like as um, Josh Y mentions, uh, you, you'd much rather take the Colts as an underdog than you would as a favourite, and especially at that this price. Um, so, look, I, I won't be touching the game, although I would be leaning to the Pats at the the plus as well. It's going to be a really interesting game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, who's just been beast mode all season and, and leads the league in rushing by at least four around four hundred yards uh, more than anyone else. Which, incredibly, Derrick Henry still ranks in the top five. By the way. Um, Hasn't played in eight weeks or something. Uh, look, they they've only allowed six rushing touchdowns all all, yeah. all season. The Patriots, so it's going to be a tough day for for JT, and it'll prove his MVP credentials if he can he can have another you know big day and and continue that incredible touchdown streak that's now at um, ten games. So uh, the Pats also haven't lost on the road at all this season. Neither have the Cardinals. So uh, look, you think one of those bubbles are going to burst soon, and and. I feel like it could be this week, but there's no way I could take the Colts as favourites. But it's a it's an awesome matchup, and I'll one I'll be trying to tune in at Christmas lunch on Sunday up at the uh, the in laws place. So look, I'll I'll be trying to catch a glimpse of this one. It's going to be an awesome game to watch, and um, yeah, just just two quality teams, and and I think the Colts obviously it's it's almost must win territory for them to stay in that that um, AFC wildcard race and and potentially keep pressure on the Titans for that division crown, but. That might be slipping away now with um, only four games to go and two games back. But, yeah, hu- huge game. And, yeah, can't wait to watch you if I can try and get get in front of the tally for this one. You'll have to get the uh, get the family to eat early and, and have a nap so you can watch yeah. the game. But, I mean, right. look, I think you're right. I, th- I think that the Pats are exceeding expectations. I think they've outperformed everyone's expectation. But, I mean, that's what that's essentially what the Patriots do, that the sum of yeah. the parts is always greater than – uh, you know the individual talent levels, and and always has been. I mean, you, you you look at Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady is not the most talented quarterback of all time, but he's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's, I, I'm not sure anyone could argue with the statement that he's not the most talented quarterback of all time. I mean, you put him up with Pat Mahomes, you put him up with Aaron Rodgers, you put him up with Drew Brees. Probably um, th- there's probably five 
10, maybe even more quarterbacks who could go in as being a more skillful, a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady. But in that Patriot system with Bill Belichick, with the way that that franchise has has been built, um, you know, he did what needed to be done and he was able to get more out of himself because the sum of those parts was greater than everyone's individual skill set or, or talent level. Um, yeah. And that's not, that's not a knock on Tom Brady. I mean, I, I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, um, but it, I, I certainly think that there's a lot ahead of him in terms of, you know, pure quarterback play. Um, yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, you, you touched on Jonathan Taylor as well. And I think if any team is going to, is going to break that streak, it's probably the Pats. Um, mm. They've got the number one ranked rush defense. I think they're number two ranked uh, red zone defense as well. Uh, yeah, they just they just don't concede on the ground very often. Um, and if anyone, yeah, I, I was pretty tempted to take the unders on Jonathan Taylor's rushing yard line, which was at ninety three. It's a pretty <laughs> high line, but um, you know he's just having a, a beast mode season. And yeah, uh, and we know he's going to get usage, obviously. And that's right. It only that's takes right. one or two big runs for him to to get close to that. But like you said, for that streak to end, it's probably against against the very um, stout or the league's best rush defense, mm. as you mentioned. But yeah, cracking game. Can't wait for it. Yeah. Awesome game. Um, Monday, uh, 5 a.m. start for Australia. This is time. a cracking, cracker as well, man. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Washington at Philadelphia. <laughs> the Eagles minus seven. The total is 44. And oh, I, Washington have 18 players in COVID protocol, and I still can't bet on the Eagles. It's, it's just <laughs> like you just you just can't. Um, not, not at a touchdown. Uh it's just, I mean, it's insanity. Uh, no play for me. How about you? Yeah, well, look, I was very tempted for that reason to to play the Eagles against a, a really depleted Washington outfit who who obviously completely outplayed last week as well until uh, almost a brain fade by the Cowboys in terms of their play calling and, and how they executed late in the game um, allowed Washington back into that one. But uh, if who's going to start for quarterback for, you, for your birds? Let's 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 find out that first, I suppose. Gardner Minshew was obviously brilliant in that game where he started, but that was against the New York Jets, of course. And obviously, Jalen Hurts has shown that he is obviously, without a doubt, the number one quarterback in in Philly and has had a great season. Um, it's you're getting two different kind of things, aren't you? Like, I mean, obviously, you're going to use um, Jalen on the ground a lot more, but if he's got an ankle injury, that kind of limits him and his, you know, his best weapon. So, yeah, it's an interesting dilemma for for the coaching staff at, at in Philly, but uh, I think they'll win and keep their playoff chances well and truly alive. Uh, like you said, couldn't take them at a touchdown despite being very tempted to do so. I'm using my um, better judgment and my little Nick Splitter voice in my head saying, no, do not touch that Philly line, especially at a, at a touchdown. So, look, I stay out for me, but I, I think Philly will get the job done against uh, – well, they need to against this depleted Washington outfit. Oh, ab- absolutely need to. And and it's the, the quarterback question is a really interesting one. And, I mean, uh, I, I haven't been a huge fan of Jalen Hurts. I wasn't a fan of us drafting him. I uh, wasn't a fan of us starting him. Uh, wasn't a fan of us really trading Carson Wentz either. But, um, I mean, I, I don't think that there's any doubt that Jalen Hurts is the number one QB in Philly uh, this season and beyond. Uh, it doesn't seem that there's any plans to go out and trade for or draft a QB at, at this stage. So, you know, it looks like Jalen Hurts is the number one, but I feel like the best chance of winning this week is with Gardner Minshew because we know how bad 
Washington have been at defending the air ball this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we were so looking forward to seeing this Washington defense all year, uh, and they've been deplorable, and and even more so against the air game. Uh, and I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Gardner Minshew is a, a better throwing quarterback than Jalen Hurts at this stage. I, I think Jalen Hurts is probably a better overall player already at this stage of his career. But um, in terms of you know, a passing quarterback, Minshew probably has the has the uh, the runs on the board o- over Jalen Hurts at this stage, um, and has more of an ability to to maybe get more out of the likes of uh, Devonta Smith and, and um, Dallas Goddard and, and a few of those guys. Um, so it, it's a really interesting question. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how it goes, but I mean, yeah, you just can't, you can't bet on this. I won't, let you, I won't let you ramble on too long, but I know you're pretty, well, not outspoken, I shouldn't say, but you defended Devontae Smith and, and kind of lambasted your own your own support, uh, your own team supporters for the fact that all the criticism he was receiving after, you know, it's an amazing rookie season. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you noticed that on, on Twitter because I, I copped it a little bit from um, some friends in, in the States about, ragging on uh, my team's fans. But uh, look, I think Philly fans are the worst in the league. They're just they're horrible at supporting players when things aren't going great. They're great at supporting players when things are going well. Uh, but, you know, Devonda Smith's, what's he played, 14, 14 games and, and had you know, plus 700 plus receiving yards. Uh, you know, he's had, a, he's had a very solid rookie season and, and can only get better. Um, yeah, I think he's he's the the best receiver we've had on the roster for years, um, and he's just going to get better and stronger. And I just can't I can't understand the the part of the fan base that's that's ragging on him when you look at this the services he's been given. And yeah, you know, the first first half of the year he barely got a target. Um, then for a couple of weeks he was getting targeted really heavily, and then went back to back to prioritizing the run um, mm. and and not passing to him at all. So. It's it's just a real strange situation, but um, Philly fans, yeah, you're you're known as the worst in the league for a reason. So pull your head in. Yeah, look, I, I would compare Philly fans to to an Aussie sports fan base as Essen for sure. Yeah, uh, they're all yep, up and about when they're all going, but they're very quick to hang it on their own. Uh, so yeah, look, I, I and I can't stand Essen, but I don't I don't hate Philly by any stretch of the imagination. I couldn't. Look. With a bloke like you supporting a mate, with a very log- uh, logical man, with a very sensible head, but yeah, Essence supporters got don't get started on it. So, it's apologies funny, if I've offended any Essence supporter listeners, but yeah, can't stand nah, it. fuck them. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's funny because uh, there's a, there's quite a big uh, Eagle supporter base in Australia, um, and yeah. most of them here in Australia are really logical, intelligent, you know, football fans and kind of we all kind of sit back and and whenever we talk on twitter or whatever it's just like what are they doing in philly like how can they believe what what they're saying how can this actually be true um and it's i mean it's a philly thing right philly's philly's a it's a tough part of the country um you know real real grassroots real uh you know natural part of of the state so Mm. you know it's it's just the way that they're kind of born and bred and the way that they work but uh that's probably enough on the boring Eagles. So we'll move on to Carolina at Buffalo. The Bills minus 10 and a half. The total is 44 and a half. What have you got? Well, another couple of boring teams. I mean, Buffalo where it came into the league or into the, te- uh, into the season, I should say, is probably one of the most exciting teams and, and certainly one I wanted to watch a lot of and I thought they would 
really contend for an AFC Championship again, and let alone a Super Bowl. So the way they've kind of fallen off the cliff a little bit really, really um, has, has hurt me at, um, as a fan. And, and look, I, I'm disappointed in the Bills. I mean, obviously, they, they clicked into gear last week. They got down by 17 in that last quarter and, and were down by 21 at half time. But they, they managed to find a way to force overtime. And they were really probably a bit unlucky uh, in the end not to win it in regulation with that no call on Stefan Diggs just before the, um, in the end zone or just near the end zone. Uh, it, I sure it looked like PI to me, but and, and they've called a lot less this season. So look, it, they were probably a little bit hard done by. It was in Tampa, of course, and, and the, the NFL wouldn't want to upset Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady, as, as many might think. So look, it was disappointing for the Buff the Bills to lose last week. They probably kissed their AFC East champions um, division title goodbye with that loss. Uh, they're two games or even no two games behind. Behind the Pats now and, and obviously behind on that tiebreaker after losing um, a couple of weeks back. So, look, it, it's a must-win game for the Bills. I think they do win. The Panthers have turned into a, a pretty ordinary uh, franchise, haven't they, this season? Nothing's really gone right for them, in fairness, but it's, it's been a disastrous year for Carolina, who started the season so brightly with three straight wins, but uh, it all fell apart and they were no match for an Atlanta Falcons team last week, if you can believe it. So, look, I, I don't see them troubling Buffalo, but there's no way I can take them jumping into a Bills team the way they've been playing on defense uh, at 10 and a half uh, a year in this one. So, I'll avoid this game like the plague and uh, uh, and probably not even give a second thought to it, but hopefully the Bills can, can stay in playoff contention with a win. Yeah, I'm the same, Matt. I just, I'm really disappointed in, the, in this Bills franchise. And, and last week was kind of in a microcosm, pretty much their entire season. You, you, they'll play incredible football for eight or 12 minutes and just incredibly lackluster for the rest of the, the rest of the game. And it, it's really disconcerting because I, I think like you, I mean, they were, they were one of my favorites to, to win the, uh, to win the division. Um, and I, I just, I expected so much more out of them. I thought, I thought that they were, were really ready. They took a big leap forward last season uh, under Sean McDermott and and you know with with Josh Allen at quarterback. And I, I really expected them as a really solid franchise. You know, at, at almost all levels, from GM to head coach to to the talent. That you know, they're a really well built franchise. That they were going to take another step. It was just the natural step for them to to take another step forward. Um, maybe this is the season that they had to have that hasn't gone to plan. That kind of maybe brings them back down to earth and. And next season they regroup and and kind of realize that they've got to keep working at it. They it, it it's not just going to happen for them. Uh, that they've got to keep working uh, because I think that they've regressed on defense and on offense. Um, and so that makes this almost impossible to play at at a double digit line. I mean, the the Panthers, like you said, got off to a really strong start with those three three straight wins. Um, and I think we were all kind of talking them up, but. Uh, it kind of regressed back to back to the mean since then, uh, but still defensively, you know, they're still pretty solid, and, and they can still, yeah, they can still upset the, the Bills here. And uh, I'm just not willing to take the Bills against this Panthers defense at ten and a half points. I just it, it just doesn't make sense um, with where both these franchises are at. And I mean, good luck to anyone who wants to take the Bills, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not one of those punters that's, that's going to take Buffalo here. Um, any final thoughts on this one? Nah, let's move on. Beautiful. Uh, from one stinky matchup to potentially the stinkiest matchup of the entire 
slate. The New York Jets at Miami. Miami minus 10. The total is 42. These two played four weeks ago. It's less, less than a month ago and scored a total of 41 points. I think the line in that one was 43 and a half from memory or 42 and a half. Uh, and it was a, a last minute touchdown from the Jets or a last quarter touchdown that got that got that score up to 41 points. The only difference I can see in this one is that the Dolphins' defense has probably gotten better since then. And so I'm just not sure the Jets can put on 14 uh, or, or whatever it was on, on the Dolphins this time. I'm thinking that it goes under 42 again. How about you? Yeah, not too much to add, mate. I think it's an under game as well. Just at the moment, the way Miami are playing, they're obviously... Uh, shutting teams down, that defense is challenging the, the Kansas City Chiefs being one of the best in the last few weeks. They've won, obviously, five in a row. They'll get back to six games in a row here and get back to 500 incredibly after starting the season one and seven. So, yeah, the Dolphins will win and win comfortably. Couldn't take minus 10. Well, probably could, to be honest. But no, I think the unders are probably a safer bet. But, yeah, it's it's not a very interesting matchup. But I think Miami keep rolling and it, it makes that – that team a very interesting watch over the last three weeks of the season. Um, interestingly, though, they don't have running back this week. They have lost all of them to COVID protocols. They have um, got Duke Johnson, the former Texan, off the um, and, and Brown, I think he was even as well, um, off the practice squad to, to be their lead back this week. Um, Malcolm Brown potentially coming off IR, but that's still not clear as well. So um, Tua might look to throw the ball a bit more, which, which might make um, some interesting um, uh, player prop markets. There's, I couldn't find any tour, tour passing yards that are available yet. So interesting one. If, if it's that low 200 mark, it might be worth a play, but we know he's obviously not a prolific passer anyway uh, with that receiving for in Miami not being overly strong. So, yeah, I think it's an unders game. Miami get the job done and, and move on pretty quickly from this one. Yep, agreed. Uh, and speaking of moving on pretty quickly, we'll move on pretty quickly to Dallas at New York Giants. The Giants plus 10.5. The total is 44.5. Yeah, we won't waste too much time talking about this one either. The Cowboys will win and, and clinch the NFC East, I would think. Um, their first in a few years and get back to the playoffs. Look, I Daniel Jones, interesting if he plays or not. He's obviously missed two straight games and Mike Lennon has been Completely outclassed, he's not up to NFL standard, as we probably know. And look, promising signs for the Giants at Saquon Barkley. Uh, got back to a bit of form last week against the Chargers, but they, they were they were really counted uh, and didn't have an answer for, the, for that Chargers offense. And it's hard to see them doing much against the Cowboys this week. Um, we know Zach will be coming out to try and make amends in a few poor weeks. So. Another um, losing season for the Giants now is they dropped to four and nine. That's their fifth straight losing season. So um, turmoil in New York. Um, the GM will go. Whether Joe Judge follows him up is all the interesting to watch in the offseason. But yeah, Cowboys win and, and, and clinch the NFC East this week, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Dallas should win this and should win it fairly easily. But I mean, just in the last you know, two or three, four weeks even, they haven't been the Cowboys that we saw earlier in the year. It's, it's the offense that, that's been struggling, Dak and the offense. And if you told me you know, a, a month or so ago, or even in the preseason, that you know, it would be the Dallas defense keeping the Cowboys afloat, I'd have said that you're joking. Uh, but that's that's what's happening at the moment. They're, they're even, I mean, talk about terrible fans. We were talking on uh, Philly fans before, but Dallas fans aren't, 
aren't uh, that far behind in the way that yeah. they turn on their own team. Um, some some Cowboys fans I've seen uh, in the mire of Facebook calling for Dak to be traded or sacked or whatever, <laughs> which is just insanity. But um, they are right in that the offense has not been the potent Dallas Cowboys offense that oh. uh, that w- w- you know we used that we used to and that we expect from them. Yeah, so. they haven't needed to be the last two weeks. Their defense is dominated True. against the two pretty poor offenses in Walkers. Last week it was. Again, just the Michael Parsons show, wasn't it? And he's yep. really put his hand up as defensive player of the year, let alone uh, the defensive rookie of the year. So I'll take that as a tick, mate. If, uh, well, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, very, very good call. I mean, but, it's, it's pretty rare that you get get one franchise that has two potential defensive player of the years. Yeah, exactly. You know, on on the roster, it's uh, it's a, it's a pretty amazing turn of events for what was a deplorable defense last year to to you know what what we're seeing now. Yeah, it's a stunning turnaround and, and full credit to Dan Quinn and, and that uh, defensive um, defensive group um, who have obviously turned things around for Dallas. So uh, that will see them back in the playoffs for the first time for a few years. Yep, agreed. Uh, moving on to a slightly less stinky matchup. Tennessee. Oh, at- oh wow. this one, sorry. Sorry, I thought we were looking at Arizona. Keep going. Uh, not yet, not yet. We'll leave that, we'll leave that. Uh, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. The Steelers plus one and a half. The total is 41 and a half. You got anything in this one? Yeah, this this one isn't as, as stinky, that's for sure. It's um, an interesting matchup for sure, and especially what we saw of the Steelers last week. I mean, so hard to read them at the moment. Obviously, they, they laid an egg in that first half and uh, down, what, 23, 29, 29 zip. It was bordering on embarrass, embarrassing for, for a Steelers franchise that haven't had a losing record under Mike Tomlin. And, they're, they're close to the edge, aren't they? And, but we know that their best is good enough. Um, obviously, they beat Baltimore, who were, who were slipping themselves but the week prior. But then they came out and put up that against Minnesota. And, and to their credit, they fought back and, and fought back to almost controls over time. So uh, it, was an, it was a very intriguing matchup, one I didn't see the end of, um, other than the highlights um, after the fact. But, yeah, look, I, I was um, leaning towards taking Tennessee at the points here, but... Just don't have enough faith. They they really didn't put away. I mean, they the defense was great against Jacksonville last week, shutting them out. But uh, that offense wasn't overly uh, you know something to be confident about. So I'm I'm keen on the the over after all that. I'm keen on the over because the line is so low. And to be honest, um, Pittsburgh have been putting up points. That defense hasn't been as strong um, recently. And look. I think they'll find a way to put up some points as with Tennessee this week. So that line looks um, low to me. So I'll take overs, even though I didn't um, probably instill you with a lot of confidence after all that rambling. But uh, I'll, I'll take the overs in this one. But, uh, yeah, interesting matchup, very very much so in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, a year ago, you would have looked at this matchup and gone, this is probably game of the week um, between that that Steelers defense, the Titans offense. Uh what I mean, you touched on it before. What were the Steelers doing last week in that in that first half? Yeah, they, they were they looked pretty good in the second half, but you can't win games of football from a twenty nine zip hole. Like it's just not good enough, especially not from a, a professional franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Titans, like you said, got back to winning ways against the Jags last week after their bye, but before that, lost two in a row to the Texans and the Pats. Obviously, you know now we look at a loss to the Pats as you know, n- not as big a deal, but but a couple of weeks ago wasn't quite at that point. Uh, losing to the Texans is still not great by any stretch of the imagination. 
Um, so I need to see a, a better performance against a better defense before I'm willing to take the Titans. Um, but it really depends on on which Pittsburgh Steelers turn up this week, whether it's that first half or the second half. Um, it's a, it's a no play for me. I just there's too many unknowns and too many variables for, from both these franchises. No, that's that's completely fair enough. I'm probably a bit of a sicko having a go at that. I just thought the line stood out as a low one, but yeah, yeah. Look, it's uh, it's an interesting matchup for sure. And like you said, I think that short break obviously didn't help the aging Pittsburgh offense potentially. Yes, let's just let's label <laughs> one man there. But look, um, I think no doubt after mini buy, they'll they'll be more ready to come to play in this one, and, and there'll be a, a bit a bit more of a shootout. So uh, yeah, that's why I'm kind of leaning the overs in this one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Houston at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus three and a half. The total is 39 and a half. We spoke about it at the top of the show. And I said that I was going to ask you a question about Urban Meyer. Now, what is your favorite Urban Meyer moment of his short time in Jacksonville? Is it A, not feeding his elite running back? Is it B, kicking his kicker? (laughs) as we found out in the last 24 hours. Is it C, forgetting whether one of his players actually played in a game or not? Is it D, the bar incident? Or is it E, all of the above in getting fired after 13 games? What's your, what's your selection here? I would love to lock in B because I think it's just <laughs> so funny, that story, kicking his kick out. But I have to lock in E because that just sums him up, doesn't it? And, and there was... It was, like we said, um, we probably talked enough about it off the top, but it was almost doomed from the get-go. And, and look, um, I think the NFL is a better place without him and his, uh, his antics. So let's let's just, uh, yeah, good riddance to Urban and good luck, mate, in the next chapter. And you can go hang out with many um, waitresses as you like. Uh, and uh, I think Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jack, young Jacks um, team will, will excel without him. I, I think... Um, that's where I'm, I'm kind of leaning here. I think it's, a, it's a, almost a break the shackles game for Trevor Lawrence. He's going to come out and show everyone what he can do. Uh, James Robinson, give him the ball, see what he can do. And, and Jacksonville can come away with a, with a handy win. Uh, minus three and a half is a bit ambitious, but uh, I'm going to dabble at the double here. I think there'll be points. I think there'll be, you know, almost like all guns blazing. It, it won't be, it'll just be a bit of a, a fun game, I suppose. Uh, you know, there's no other way to put it because they're not playing for anything other than pride. Um, there was some jostling in the draft pick situation potentially, but um, yeah, hard to see Houston Houston doing much after the last couple of weeks and performances they've put up. But I think they can at least score a few touchdowns, which will help to getting the overs, which is the lowest of the, of the week at uh, 39 and a half. So I'll take that as my main play, even even happy to play in singly, but I'll have a little double to double there. Um, over 39 and a half, Jacksonville minus three and a half, uh, both placements. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I'm, I'm not willing to take Jacksonville at, at minus three and a half, but I agree with with kind of that game script. Uh, we've seen today that offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel or Bevel takes over as the interim head coach. Um, and, and like you said, it's kind of like the Jags might have that weight lifted off their shoulders that, you know, that, that ego, that, personality is now out of the out of the franchise um and, and you know those players that that young group gets a, a new lease on life and we do see that a fair bit in pro sports you know coach gets sacked and, and something happens in that team it doesn't matter what sport it is it, it happens a lot uh that in that team 
at least for that first week, as you kind of, like you said, release the shackles. Um, I, I kind of see something like a 23-20 type of, of scoreline uh, between these two really, I mean, terrible franchises. Let's be honest. They're both terrible franchises. But I think 39.5 is probably a touchdown too low uh, in that in that total points market. I understand why it is. They're both horrible offenses. But, um, you know, I, I, like you said, I think that there's probably a bit of fun in this one. Um, and I, I'm same as you. I'm, I'm on the overs here, but I uh, can't take the Jags to win. Uh, any final thoughts on that one? No, nah, nah, like you said, I think, yeah, it'll just be a bit more of a, you know, offensive game script and, and not worry too much about the rest of it. Like, obviously, uh, as an offensive coordinator, you might want to show a few plays. So, yeah, hopefully it's, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, even though uh, I won't be tuning in as a must-watch, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, certainly not a must-watch. Um, Arizona at Detroit. Detroit plus 12.5. The total is 47. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, Arizona keep trying to keep their perfect uh, home uh, away record, I should say, their road record uh, intact. They're 7-0 at the moment, and they've won all seven of those games by double-digit margin, which is just incredible to think of. They're obviously favoured to do that again this week with a 12.5 line, which I think they'll cover. And even without um, Duke Hopkins, a new Hopkins, I should say, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is going to be ruled out for the rest of the regular season, and they're hoping they could potentially get him back or the playoffs, but yeah, Kyle and Mario want to kind of avenge that game on Monday Night Football. Um, it didn't really have an answer, that offensive line of Arizona for Aaron Donald and that Rams defense, who um, put a lot of pressure on Kyler and, and obviously sacked him a few times, uh, forced a couple of interceptions. So yeah, it's a bounce back game for Kyler uh, and the Cardinals against a pretty depleted uh, Detroit team who's still de- dealing with some COVID outbreaks and, and a few other uh, injuries. So I think uh, Arizona get the job done and get it done in a big way and continue their their road record, perfect road record. And they'll want to get back up that the seeding. Obviously, they dropped from the number one seed to the number three seed with that loss. So it was uh, a bit of a crucial loss for Arizona on Monday night against the Rams. So they've still got their division lead intact, but yeah, they'll need to keep winning to obviously hang on to that. So I, I expect them to win and, and win well in this one. Yeah, I agree. I It's funny. I was looking at this... I was looking at this matchup and my, and my immediate reaction was Detroit at the plus line. And, and I kind of penciled that in. And the more I thought about it after, you know, a few hours and, and I kind of went back and looked at the matchup, uh, looked at some of the data and, and all of a sudden it went from being pretty strong on Detroit at the plus line to being, I've got to take Arizona here. I just I have to, I mean, even without, DeAndre Hopkins, like like you said, out for the remainder of the regular season. Um, even without him, the difference between these two franchises is incredibly stark. We're talking about a top five DVOA defense against one of the worst offenses in the NFL and a top seven red zone DVOA offense against one of the worst defenses in the league. It, it is a big line away from home, 12 and a half, but the Cardinals have generally punished those lower teams that they've played. That one exception was that upset loss to the Panthers, uh, a little while ago, but they've proved themselves time and time again, pretty much all season. They're 10 and three for a reason, seven and zip away from home. Like you said, uh, I think that they continue on their merry ways here. I think that they win this by a couple of touchdowns. And, you know, I think if, if they get those opportunities in the red zone, I think they could potentially put up a lot of points on this Detroit defense. Um, 
you know, I think they could probably score 40 or 50 on their own. Mm. And if they do that, then, you know, the Lions don't have any, any chance at, at kind of hitting that, that, uh, that spread. So I, I think that the Cardinals are, are good things here. Um, it is a big line, like I said. So, you know, I understand if, if there are some punters yeah. that, that would be wary about it. I mean, I certainly was uh, off the top. Like I said, I pen- can pencil it in the lines, but uh, have definitely changed my, my tune over the last, I guess, six or eight hours um, as I kind of looked into this one more. But I think we're, we're probably on the same page on that yeah, one. Yeah, well, we saw how many blowouts there were last week. So, look, there's always usually one, two or three every week, and, and this one screams a blowout to me. So that's uh, why I'm very happy to take those points because originally I think it might have even opened around 14 or 13. So um, it's already moved in, which is handy for us. Uh, obviously, that doesn't always bode well if the money's going the other way. But, look, I'm going to take the uh, minus 12 and a half and have a bit more to play with there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think if if there is going to be a blowout, it's probably this one, purely for the fact that if if Arizona put up points, I have I, I don't see any way that Detroit can keep up with them. Match them, yeah. At, at any level, I mean, DeAndre Swift is really the only option, and even he's kind of up and down in in that offense. So it's it's a tough one to see how Detroit kind of keeps pace with the Cards in that one. Uh, Monday, eight a.m. on the Australian East Coast. Atlanta at San Francisco, the Niners minus nine and a half. The total is 46 and a half. We've spoken about the Niners a fair bit on this show over the course of the year, but they've turned things around dramatically since they lost to the Cardinals about seven weeks ago. They should win this and they should win it well, but I can't take them with that kind of line at at a touchdown and a field goal and a half. I just can't. Uh, I mean, Atlanta are no good. We know that. They won last week, but they're no good. Um, I just can't. I can't take the Niners at nine and a half. Um, no. I just, just uh, can't My initial it. thoughts were to even take the Falcons in that, but then I realized they're the Falcons, so I won't be doing that either. There's not too much for me to add in this one either, mate. I, I think the Niners will just win and keep, keep, keep rolling and, as we said, um, you know, still keep that, um, that dream alive potentially getting back to the Super Bowl. I know we had that listening question a couple couple weeks ago about how they could make that run, and, and they're a team that could be that, one of those smoky wildcard teams that was obviously Tampa Bay to be last year. If they just get a, things going, and, and that defense can really put it here, anything can happen. So I, I think they'll win, and, and um, yeah, like I said, continue that, that winning form. And look, odd time for kickoff. Any reason for why that's a, an 8 a.m. game? <laughs> who knows with the NFL? Who knows? Um, why, why not? Uh, yeah, why not? Um, I, when when we look at the socials and the social media tweets and and posts for uh, for this week's episode, I reckon that your line of I was tempted to take the the Falcons, but then I realised they were the Falcons yeah. uh, is probably a hook that we can use in, in one of those tweets. So keep that uh, keep that in the back pocket because I reckon that's that's a decent line from you. Well done. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati at Denver, the Broncos minus two and a half. The total is 44 and a half. Anything in this one? I'll give you another hot take then. I, I, the Cincinnati Bengals are clearly the AFC Minnesota Vikings. And mm. The way they just kind of bounce up and down and, and have these ups and down weeks, you know, like, like we saw in the Vikings last week and a few other teams in the, in the league, they can just be so hot one minute mm-hmm. and then so bad the next. And the Bills would probably be the other one that we you just touched on earlier was the way Joe Burrow kind of got them 
into overtime in a game, they looked you know, like they were going to do nothing all game, essentially, that offense sparked into life late to kind of get those two late touchdowns to force overtime. But, of course, uh, didn't go their way. Uh, so, look, it, it's one of those seasons they've, they've had their opportunities, the, the Bengals. Um, they are still above 576, which is probably above potentially expectations. They probably weren't expecting to, to, to win that eight or nine games this season. Was that line, I probably would have, I'm not sure what it exactly was pre-season, but it probably would have been around that six mark. And they've probably exceeded expectations, like I said. But with all that talent we've seen and, and the way they've played this season, I feel like they should have a better record. And, and the Denver Broncos somehow, despite how bad, I suppose, many of us thought they were or have been, they're, they're hanging around as well and they've got the exactly same, exact same record. So it's, it, it, it's a huge game in terms of the AFC playoff picture and, and the Broncos can somehow sneak into the uh, NFL. Obviously, they won a hugely emotional game last week, which is, um, yeah, remiss of us. We didn't touch on Demarius Thomas after the shocking news um, coming through. Uh, I think it might have even been Thursday night, uh, American time, uh, that the news filtered through. I know, I think you tweeted, but messaged me during that Viking Steelers game, and I, I was shocked at you, mate. It was, yeah, devastating news for a player that, you know, many of us are around our um, age and generation would have seen grown up watching because he was a big part of that, that Broncos um, all-conquering offense that we saw, obviously, with Peyton Manning running the show. So, yeah, devastating news. I think uh, wouldn't could not pick a winner in this one to save myself, so I'll stay out of this one. But, yeah, hugely important game and a really interesting one to watch just for those implications alone. Um, but, yeah, two, two interesting teams, for sure. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I mean, you're right. Uh, I, I was thinking that before, that we, we couldn't get through this episode without touching on DT. And, and yeah, I think one of those those guys that didn't matter who your team was, you always loved Demarius Thomas and the way that he went about it. Um, you know, it was that, that Broncos team, 2015, 2014, 15, 16, uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, with Peyton Manning was, was pretty incredible. Uh, we know that it was kind of built off the back of that defense, but, uh, that offense was, was something pretty special. And Demarius Thomas was, was a huge part of that. Uh, one of the best, you know, all, all round receivers that I've seen play in, in my time, uh, Love watching him play, and uh, was that was terrible news to to kind of see on uh, on Friday morning our time uh, here in Melbourne. But uh, yeah, you're right. I think the the Broncos are, are outperforming expectations. The Bengals, uh, the record's probably probably about there, like like you said. But you know their their highs have been very high. They've had some incredible wins, but on the flip side, some terrible losses, like losses that they just shouldn't have. Um, They've won games that they probably shouldn't have won, but yeah, yeah, they smashed the Ravens that that week. That was some of the most breathtaking football from us, that I've seen from a, a Cincinnati Bengals team in thirty years of watching the NFL. Like that was that was amazing, and then they come out a week later and get pumped. It's just a, a really um, we, we touched on a few weeks ago that they just don't know how to win consistently. They've got all the talent, but they don't know they don't have that winning mentality. Um, and they can they can shock teams this year, and and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch them, kind of over the next twelve months and see how they take that next step potentially next season, uh, and see if they can if they can become a bit more consistent. But they're really talented. Um, but yeah, I mean this, this one's a 
a no play for me. It's it's a it's very much a steer clear, and I'm I'm not sure that line could be seven and a half or even fourteen and a half. I probably still wouldn't play it because you just don't you just don't know what to expect out of either of these two teams at the moment. Um, and that probably is enough on that one. Uh, Green Bay at Baltimore, the Ravens plus four and a half. The total is forty three and a half, and we've spoken about it a couple of times over the course of this season, more injuries from, for the Ravens. They've had injuries on pretty much every, every single line uh, of their squad credit where it's due. They keep losing guys every weekend, but they keep competing hard. They come back week after week and, and they win games. That they probably shouldn't win games. Um, they lost their MVP Lamar Jackson last week and nearly pulled out that rivalry win against the Browns. Uh, they probably should have won it in the end, but just couldn't pull it off, but you know it doesn't matter who's out there for the Ravens. They they somehow keep competing and, and playing hard, and uh, you know they're, they're still winning games. I know they didn't win last week, but you know they're nine and what is it nine and four, nine and five something uh, at this stage, and and they should probably have half that half that win record. So uh, they're a really impressive franchise. I, I think that this week is different. I think this Packers team is a different beast to who the Ravens have faced uh, kind of over the last month. Uh, and I think that they're going to take advantage of a weakened Baltimore uh, outfit this week. I, I'm on the, I'm on the Packers minus four and a half. I think that they are going to be able to put up some points this week against that Ravens defense that is missing a ton of guys. Uh, and I think that that 43 and a half, total points line is is a touch low as well. So I'll probably have a little dabble at the double. Packers minus four and a half and the overs, uh, but the Packers is is the play for me here. What about you, mate? Yeah, I'll, I'll be jumping in on the Packers, mate. Uh, I definitely think they'll um, they'll take advantage of that depleted Ravens side. As you mentioned, obviously that secondary missing um, some key key players in market. Everybody. Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> it's 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 been a shocking run of injuries this season for, for Baltimore. They they just keep getting hit. Uh, look, obviously, Lamar Jackson's health is a big concern as well. But uh, even that, if he plays, I think the, the Green Bay Packers got too much. Uh, they're, they're rolling at the moment. They're in a really great spot to, to finally take that next, uh, you know, take that next step to the Super Bowl finally again for Aaron Rodgers after so many NFC Championship games. And, and they've jumped into the number one seat as well, which would which could really pave the way for them having a, a week off in that opening opening week of the, the playoffs, which will be huge as they kind of start to, to get some players back um, after, every, you know, a lot of teams losing, keep losing players. The Packers are starting to go the other way now with some, some key players potentially on the way back. So I think they get the job done here. Uh, despite it being on the road, that four and a half is, is a little bit low for me. So I was expecting maybe a minus six kind of line. So take minus four and a half, very happy to do so. And they won the so I think they'll get the job done and, and win well. You mentioned the Packers uh, taking that number one seed. You touched on before the Cardinals dropping to the third and seed the in the NFC. There's probably five teams that can win win the NFC at the moment. You've got the Packers, the Bucks, and the Cards all at ten and three, and then you've got the Cowboys and the Rams at nine and four. Uh, who else have we got potentially below that? We've got uh, uh, the Niners still there. Yeah, uh, Niners the Saints, seven six is possible, um, but it's it's probably 
it's probably between those five, right? Mm. Um, oh, at the moment, you the Packers, so, yeah. the Bucks, the Cards, the Cowboys, and the Rams. I mean, who's who's your favorite? Just off the top of your head, who's who's your favorite to take out the uh, the NFC crown? I was still thinking the Cardinals probably still had the most, but obviously the way the Rams played on the weekend against them mm. showed, showed them obviously it's so wide open still. Um, to be honest, though, I, I think the seedings are probably about right now, uh, even though it is obviously based on win record. But I think that probably is the power ranking for me as well. I think the Packers are, are the number one now in the NFC and, and then look to be the most complete team. Tampa are obviously not too far behind that. And then Arizona and LA just nipping at their heels, but... I think you can obviously throw a blanket over the NFC you've just touched on, but I think the Packers, for me, look now the team to beat in, in that conference. Um, and the AFC is just as wide open, to be honest. So, yeah, can't wait for this final month of, of the regular season to see what happens and, and, the, and the seedings we get for some interesting playoff matchups, obviously, with the new with the new system and um, only one team getting by as well this year um, makes them interesting. The- uh, makes them- the um the NFC has surprisingly been more competitive at the top end That's of the right, standings yeah. than, than I expected, and, and uh, they're they're the fifth team that I mentioned, but I'm probably sticking with the Rams. I mean, they were they were my preseason pick. Um, I'm going to stick with the Rams as my favorite for the NFC. They've got the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Niners as their final four weeks, and I think that they probably go through unbeaten. Uh, I think that they win out, and I think that they win the NFC. I think you're right. Right now, the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC. Uh, but I've just got a—I don't know—I've just got that feeling back. Got that feeling back about the Rams that they—they they were really impressive last week, and we'll touch on them shortly. But yeah, as long um, as they can stay healthy now. Obviously, they've had a few um, COVID outbreaks with the, the practice facility closing during the week. But mm. yeah, hard to hard to see them. Yeah, like you said, probably they'll probably win out from here. It's a good segue into the next game, mate. It is. It is. They are officially Australia's team, the LA Rams, uh, and we're going to talk about that game now. The Seattle Seahawks at the Rams, Los Angeles minus four and a half. The total is forty-five and a half. The Rams bid for and won the exclusive marketing rights for the Australian NFL market, uh, which means that they can potentially host a game here in the next couple of years if uh, they can convince. The NFL to do it. Uh, I know that there's a, a decent team here in Australia that's fighting for that. Uh, the Rams have those rights for the next five years, I believe, uh, and it means that essentially they can use any of their players, their brand, uh, as kind of the official brand or franchise uh, of the NFL here in Australia. Um, I was worried about them a couple of weeks ago, the Rams, uh, because like I said, they were my preseason pick. They were my Super Bowl tip. They were my pick to win the NFC. Uh, and they had a, a couple of really poor weeks um, a few weeks ago, but they were really impressive last week. It was an excellent win against a very good Cardinals team. Aaron Donald is back, and he's back in a big way. It was three sacks last week, including the winning one uh, at the death last week, and when Aaron Donald plays hard, the Rams play hard, and when the Rams play hard, they win, and I'm just not impressed by the Seahawks at all. Despite two wins on the trot, uh, I think that they're just – not the Seahawks of old, uh, and I'm big on the Rams here, minus four and a half. How about you? Yeah, again, another low line. I thought, um, again, that 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 line should be a bit closer to a touchdown. Mm. Uh, they got that easy kill that they needed, obviously, to break that 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 losing streak against the Jags um, a fortnight ago, and then 
obviously did the business on, on Monday Night Football without Jalen Ramsey, without Tyler Higby, um, you know, losing them just as they were getting on the bus, essentially, to leave to play the game. So they overcame adversity. They got the job done behind that um, brilliant performance from Aaron Donald. Um, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd as well, they can't be underestimated in terms of the impact they had and allowing Aaron Donald to do what he did as well against the Cardinals. So, look, if, again, you're naming those three players and it was that was missing, that defense was missing Jalen Ramsey was just touched on. So they have all the weapons, the Rams, they're, they're really well built, so obviously to win the NFC and it, it, it's, it's obviously win or bust in the next couple of years for the Rams, they're, they're really in that window. Obviously, Matthew Stafford looked a lot better as well. He looked awesome on, on Monday night. Look, the, the elite quarterback that we know that he is or can be um, after a few down weeks. And that that was really the, the why the Rams probably lost those games. He was just a, just a bit off. And, and look, uh, I think they take care of business against the Seahawks this week pretty comfortably. So, um, yeah, not too much to add about the Seahawks. So I agree. I think they're obviously um, going to be a bit of change in that Seattle um, franchise that's been so stable for so long. So, We'll see what, what this space, but yeah, they're, they're certainly not going to. Uh, I'd be very surprised if they if they get close to them this week and, and, and make a run for that. One word, yes or no? Is Russell Wilson in Seattle next year? No, agreed. Uh, New Orleans at Tampa Bay, the Bucks minus 10 and a half favorites. The total is 46 and a half. Uh, the reigning Super Bowl champions they can actually win their first division crown. Since 2007, uh, this week, if they if they beat the Saints, they'll they'll still the NFC South. They obviously won the Super Bowl last year as a wild card team, and they haven't beat the Saints. Well, Tom Brady hasn't beaten the Saints in his three regular season starts against them. He obviously won that playoff matchup last year, but he lost both games against Breeze and the Saints last year, and he obviously lost against uh, it was a mixture of James Winston he was, uh, and Trevor Simeon who came in and replaced Winston in that game and. Uh, look, it's it's a huge game for the Saints. They obviously need to win to to obviously keep that uh, division crown alive uh, for one. But they've obviously just got to keep that wild card um, spot open. They they snapped a five game losing streak with a with a pretty comprehensive win against the Jets. They look a completely different team, don't they? When Elvin Kamara is in that offense, and he yep. he only had he was only his fifth. I was surprised by this. He was only his fifth um, fifth game that he had a hundred rushing yards. He's obviously you know, he's, a, he's an all-purpose kind of back that got a lot of catches and he got a lot of the yards uh, receiving. But, yeah, it was only his fifth game with 100 yards plus uh, rushing. Taysom Hill kept moving with his feet. I didn't end up um, seeing his player prop line. I, I know I mentioned last week I was keen on that, but I actually was having an official play on that. But, yeah, he had 73 yards. I, I said I would take him over 60, so... It could have been around that 70-odd mark. Wasn't sure. But, yeah, look, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting game. There's no way I can take Tampa at the minus 10.5, uh, especially the way that the Saints have played against them the last few games, or the last few times, as I mentioned. So to stay out, it's an interesting Sunday night game. Not the worst, but it's certainly not the best matchup this week. So um, no play for me. Then. How about you? Yeah, I'm pretty similar. Um, you're, you're right. Alvin Kamara, is, is, I mean, he's a weapon, isn't he? He's just... He's not that standard running back that that you kind of we're used to of, of those number one guys on the ground. Um, I know there's there's a few that kind of those that all purpose um, backs, but I, I think Kamara is probably more of that pass catching running back, even as the number one running back than 
almost anyone else. You know, you look at McCaffrey, you look at Saquon Barkley. I think Kamara's you know, probably more of a pass catching back than a running back. Yeah. Um, and I know that th- there's been a few punters in, in, in kind of chats that I've had with guys over the last couple of years that, that you know, kind of always um, miss out on those Kamara props because they, you know, you expect a number one guy to be, you know, high up in those, in those rushing yards. And he's just not that, not that guy. So it, it was interesting to see him last week um, hit that mark that, that you touched on. And I think Mark Ingram missing uh, on the COVID list probably helped him and probably gave him a few more snaps and, and plays on the ground. But um, I mean, he's, he's an amazing player. I love, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. And and you're right uh, in, in this one in particular, that 10 and a half point line is just too big against that Saints defense. I mean, they're not, they're not the elite defense that we're used to out of New Orleans, but they're still pretty decent. And, and we know that there are still, you know, the Tampa Bay offense is pretty good, um, but they're also, you know, probably not, not the same level um, every week consistently. And so, yeah, there's some question marks there. I think it's just at double digits. Even if it was a point less, a point and a half less, I might be more tempted to play the Bucks. but, at double digits plus, it's it's a no play for me. Any uh, any final thoughts? No, let's just move on to the all time greatest primetime matchup on Monday Ooh. night. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I want to even go there. Monday night football, <laughs> Minnesota at Chicago. The Bears plus three and a half. The total is 44. And yeah, this is just a gross primetime matchup. It's just I don't want. Any part of it? It's a no. It's a no play for me. That's that's it for me. How about you? Oh, look, it's it's disgusting. It's 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 interesting because obviously the NFL are being pretty flexed um, with their primetime matchups. They like move things around to make sure that these end of season games are actually worth watching. And other than the Minnesota, obviously, still being in a you know, playoff uh, in the playoff hunt, it's it's really disgusting game. And <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. that this says like the. The, the Monday night game, especially considering Minnesota were on Thursday night last week, which is uh, a very long gap between games. It's 10, 10 days, and it's about as long as you get in the NFL other than the buy, of course. So it'll be interesting to see how that um, plays a part for Minnesota, who completely capitulated in that second half that we've touched on. And Chicago, who we haven't touched on, actually looked really good in that first half against the Packers and, and put up uh, three touchdowns in that opening half, including a... Um, a punt return um, touchdown, which was pretty exciting, but they just could not stop Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, 45 points, that's um, what the Packers put on them last week, and the total on this one, 44. So I'm happy to play the overs here. I think I don't expect Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to put up 40, but uh, I think they can easily get account for 30 or close to, um, which is which is enough for me to, I think, cover because I think Chicago and the way that Minnesota defense plays they give up points too. So, look, I feel like it's a more a high 40s, 48, kind of 49 line. So, yeah, the over 44 was um, very generous. And I'm thinking for a game that I have no interest in otherwise. <laughs> depending on which Minnesota Vikings yeah, team turns up and That's depending on which Chicago Bears team turns up, this could either be the best game of the weekend or more likely the worst game of the weekend. And... For it to be in prime time, like you said, the NFL has has shown that they're able to flex some of those late later season games uh, in prime time. The Vikings are six and seven, and the Bears are four and nine, and neither of them in 
fantastic form, neither of them setting the world on fire, neither of them on a win streak to make this kind of worthwhile or you know, offensive juggernaut, defensive juggernaut. Like there's just nothing really yeah, to look forward to in this one. It's it's a bizarre state of affairs that this is, you know, the last game, you know, of, of this weekend. It's just I'm not sure what the NFL were thinking. And I just can't believe that they've left it there like that. Mm. It's kind of a, a strange decision, but you know, probably yeah, used to strange been decisions. Buried in, buried in that early 5 slot. On that Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but I, not like the NFL to make strange decisions at all in terms of fixturing the scheduling. So um, that, that just about wraps just, it up for yeah. the, uh, the week 15 matchups. There's a few that we agree on in terms of lock of the week. Um, just looking quickly, we've got the Rams minus four and a half uh, over Seattle. We've got the Packers minus four and a half. We've got, got the, the Cards Cardinals. at minus 12 and a half. I don't know how you're feeling about that big line for a lock of the week. We've, yeah, we've got a few overs and unders the same as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tough week to narrow down one because I think we're both probably pretty confident with our selections. and. Like you said, there's a few that we agree on. It's just about narrowing down and, and picking one to make sure we we cover that lock. So look, mm. I I'm I'm comfortable, mate. You can take the lead on this one. Oh no pressure. Anyone the other one us? is the um that Jets Dolphins yeah. under 42 one, which I'm pretty keen on. But we haven't had much luck with the uh, the over unders in in the lock. Uh, it's very true. It's very so, true. I'd probably yeah um, be more inclined to lean towards a spread play. Mm. Uh, so in that case, I'm happy to side with Rams four and a half. We've already had um, one of the winning locks of the week was uh, an LA game in Seattle. So maybe we go back to the bubble. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I think it's the obvious one. Um, I, I think between the Rams and the Cardinals, uh, probably my two more confident ones that we're we're in agreement on. Um, the 12 and a half is, is a big line a for line a lock. Line, yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe we we'll stick with the Rams. We, uh, yeah, let's pull in. the trigger on the Rams, minus four and a half. Done. Yeah, that is it. Season. Official lock of the week is the Rams, minus four and a half. Um, uh, as everybody knows, we record on a Thursday night. So some of these lines, as always, or, or props or whatever, are, are subject to change over the course of the weekend. But um, do you want to go through your three best for week 15? Yeah, I had a hard time narrowing it down to three this week. I was mm. pretty um, confident on about five or six, but couldn't really rank them too much. But I'm going to go stick with these three. Kansas City minus three for me to kick things off um, in tomorrow's game for the night football. Uh, I like the over 39 and a half. Like I said, it, it's a sick, disgusting game, but that line seems way too low in the game. But I think there'll be points, and that's over 39 and a half. Jacksonville. And Houston, and then Green Bay, minus four and a half to beat Baltimore. Yeah, I agree. I found it really hard to um, to, to pick three this week. There are quite a few that I was really strong on, and uh, I chopped and changed my three, which doesn't, I guess, doesn't really bode well for for um, you know having three best uh, because I've I've been kind of tossing up between probably six six plays is the best, but mm. I've landed on. Uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers under 52 and a half on uh, Thursday Night Football. The Jets and the Dolphins under 42. And the Rams minus four and a half. Uh, got a couple of long shots. I've gone a double on the double on the Chiefs minus three into the under 52 and a half at 
and uh, Hunter Henry anytime touchdown for the Patriots at $3.50. What have you got in terms of uh, some longer shots? Long shots for me, again, degenerate, but Jacksonville to win and over 40 and a half points, which is at 325. Uh, and then the same game multi I mentioned off the top, Kansas City to cover that line of minus three. Pat Mahomes under eight, 280 and a half, 280.5 passing yards. Travis Kelsey over 65.5 receiving yards. And that gets you, I didn't put the odds there, but it was in excess of $8, maybe just over $8 roughly. Don't mind uh, that. Memory. Don't mind uh, that at all. The same game multi. And my player prop this week as well is, is Travis Kelsey in tomorrow's game as a, over 65 and a half. Um, receiving yards, not passing yards, which I wrote. So he won't pass for that many, but it'd be a catch. <laughs> that'd be a hell of a Hail Mary from the tight yeah. end. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> my, my props from the same game, I've gone uh, with Clyde Edwards Alaire at uh, over 57 and a half rushing yards. This well, we probably know a combined. The Chargers give up yards. So they do. We both easily win that. Um, that and I know you're keen. Let's, let's, let's build a, a little less SGM. For our listeners from our right. plays, if you want, yeah, let's let's go. Let's have a look. Let's um, let me bring up Sportsbet Ooh. here on the screen. Uh, let's chuck in the double at the double. So let's go with uh, the handicap of minus three in the unders. Yeah, we're both keen on. I, I don't yep. mind the unders in that. Three in the unders. We'll yeah, go. We'll take, we'll take two two dads to rush for. We'll put both our player props in. So we'll have. Um, Slide the glide and uh, Trav in there. And I think we'll maybe leave Patty Mahomes out in case he goes bananas and has a huge game. All right. So Clyde Edwards Alaire over 188. And we've got Travis Kelsey receiving over. That takes Anything us. Anything else that tickled your fancy? I didn't mind the, um, the Mahomes under. I probably preferred the Mahomes under to the, the, um, Kelsey, Kelsey over to be okay, honest, man. but uh, look, I, I'm, I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go. Happy to go. Anything else? Um, touchdown scorer. See, I, I kind of like, I kind of like Kelsey to score a touchdown rather than go over the yards. Um, Change it up, probably a bit more value there anyway. Well, let's see if we if we take out Kelsey's over and put in. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown. It's actually pretty similar. 12 bucks, four legs, 12 bucks. Um, I don't know. What do you reckon? Anything else you that's like? Worth a, worth a Stewie Diver, at least. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. Lock it let's in. do it. So here we go. We've got the Chiefs at minus three. We've got under 52 and a half. We've got Clyde Edwards Alaire over 57 and a half rushing yards. And we've got Travis Kelsey. Anytime touchdown scorer at odds of $12. And you can power play that to $13.50 if you like, which I don't mind. Thoughts? Yeah, like it, mate. Let's let's lock it in. Done. Let's do it. Uh, that just about does it for uh, for week 15. You can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook at the Punt Return Podcast, on Instagram at NFL Podcast. Thanks for tuning in as always. Jump on Twitter and give us a yell. Always happy to chat football. I'm at Nick Splitter. Lepa is at Ryan Lepore. Any final thoughts this week, mate? Nah. Yeah, don't forget those Saturday games as discussed Sunday morning our time. Uh, that's about it. We'll be back next week. 